Where it gets complicated. I'm Michael Sokol. I'll be one of your hosts on this show. And I'm here with John Pingle and Lauren Bancroft. Um, the three of us are going to be your hosts and kind of take you through this. Is We're going to be doing a magazine format all about Doctor Who as well as some of the uh, affiliated stuff. We're going to specifically be going back and taking a look at Torchwood, uh, which I know is one that uh, a lot of people have watched. Maybe some haven't. And it's kind of one of a controversial kind of things that's related to Doctor Who. We're going to be taking a look at some big finish audios, probably jumping around through the line and just looking at different stuff over the over the few years they've been around. And um, as well as some mini features along the way, probably related to cosplay, uh, general Doctor Who stuff, maybe some convention reports. But first up, uh, we just want to kind of let you know who we are, um, where we came from as fans. Um, So I'm going to throw it over to Lauren. And Lauren, if you could introduce yourself and just let us know kind of what your history is as a Doctor Who fan. Sure. My name is Lauren Bancroft. Um, I've been a Doctor Who fan for about three years now, a little over three years. I don't have a ton of experience with the classic series, but I am uh, a diehard New Who fan. Let's see. I do a lot of cosplay. I do some Doctor Who fan art. They call them Doctor Hoodles. Um, I've been a panelist at Gallifrey One. Let's see. Oh, I was a contributor on the the Doctor Who companion show for Nerdist.com. That's kind of a cool thing I got to do. Um, And I'm a stand-up comic as well, and I tell jokes about Doctor Who sometimes. And that is my, uh, that's my business. It's very cool. Um, one of the questions I'll just throw out front, one of the, the questions that always comes up, it seems like in any Doctor Who conversation, and one of the hardest to answer, who is your oh doctor? Uh, my doctor is the 12th doctor. Good choice. Thank Good you. Choice. And he he dethroned 10, and that broke my heart to accept, but it's true, and <laughs> I've gotten okay with it. That, that warms my heart, so uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure our preferences and biases will come out over the over the course of our show. Um, So uh, now I'm going to throw it over, uh, John. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey everybody, it's John Pingle. Um, I have been a Doctor Who fan since I want to say, let's go 2011. I came in a little after Matt Smith started. And I actually only started watching Doctor Who because the girl I was dating at the time really enjoyed Doctor Who. Yes, that's how we do it. (laughs) And I remember I was on vacation in New York sitting in my friend's apartment while they cried over whatever this show that they were watching was. I don't know. I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. As they were crying, I was looking up this show and being like, why are they so emotionally attached to this show? It's ridiculous. Who's this David Tennant guy? He apparently is gone and there's some new guy and they don't like him at first. I don't know what's going on. So I watched um, Eccleston's first season or his only season in a day. And (laughs) yeah, I've been been a fan ever since. Uh, I do a lot of podcasting. A, a lot of podcasting and a lot of yelling about baseball. That's pretty much all I do. Cool. Hey, could you tell us about your Podcastica show? Podcastica is a somewhat weekly Doctor Who review podcast that we do on NOTLG, and we review every we've reviewed every episode of Capaldi's run, and when we are in the wilderness year, we have gone back and we do our tour through the doctors where we review a serial from each doctor and we just finished reviewing the first dark eyes uh big finish audios and that was a lot of fun so that's what we do me and my co-host taylor hello taylor hi yeah, taylor i'm pretty sure taylor's gonna be listening to this one he's already um, messaged us about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and uh do you have a favorite doctor i do and my favorite doctor is Matt Smith. I absolutely love Matt Smith. I guess technically he's my, my well, he's not my first doctor because I went back a little bit. But yeah, Matt Smith, I just enjoy him as a whole. I just think he embodies everything that was new who and classic who bundled into one mop wielding person. Yeah. And it's interesting with the with the who's your doctor kind of question, because uh, kind of like you said, is even though you went back and watched that other stuff, uh, he was the contemporary doctor when you got into the show. 
so so in a lot of ways, even if you liked what came before, sometimes whoever is the doctor right now is really the one that kind of sings to you. Or or maybe not in some cases. Maybe it is that whole I want the old guy back. Uh, but it's but it's one of the fun things about when you get into fandom is there's really that whoever is the doctor at that moment really is the one that seems kind of uh, their stories seem alive in a way that maybe some of the others don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. Um, so my name is Michael Solko. I'm the host of a, the Time Scoop podcast. Um, it's a sort of monthly uh, podcast where we get two to three guests together and they draft a doctor, a companion, a villain or monster, a wild or two wild cards and one writer. And the idea is to kind of draft the perfect Doctor Who story. The catch is uh, if somebody drafts something, it's off the board and you can't take it. So say that you really want to have the, uh, I don't know, the farty monsters. I always forget their name from Raxacoricophalopatorius. Um, but I can say that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the Slothene. Thank you. So if you want the Slothene to be your monsters and somebody else drafts it, you have to come up with a contingency plan or hopefully have one in place. It's kind of like Donna's popular. The Twelfth Doctor's really popular. Um, Frobisher's actually pop- more popular than most companions that have shown up. As he should um, be. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. Um, I've been doing that for, gosh, about 10 months now. Um, and then uh, my history is I've been a Doctor Who fan for about 30 years or so. No girl got me into it because the only girl I knew back then was Wonder Woman. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> yeah, so I started watching with the classic series on PBS and I really fell in love with it, watched it every weekend. I was there through all the wilderness years with the novels uh, and then recently have gotten into the audios the last few years. My favorite doctor is definitely the seventh doctor. He was the one who was the first new doctor to start during the period that I was becoming a fan. So there was all that initial rush and excitement of who is this guy and I can't wait to find out. And thankfully he lived up to that and uh, through the books and the TV series and so much. Uh, he's always been my favorite. I don't know how much I've ever really said this to John and Lauren, but one of the first things when I was putting together the time scoop, um, John and Lauren were on an episode with me and I really wanted those two to be on the same episode because originally I really wanted it to be like confrontational and adversarial and like really like funny. And they're two of the funniest <laughs> people I know. So I was oh. like, oh, I've got to get them on nice the time. same episode. And um, what was funny is I had them both lined up at one point and they both had to cancel. <laughs> and so even though I was flustered and frustrated at the same time, I was thinking, okay, well, thank goodness I can try again down the line. <laughs> nice. And, you, and then you finally got us on the same podcast. Yeah. I did. And, now and then we met at Galley, and like now we got our own podcast going on. Yeah. Exactly, which is great. And kind of speaking of Galley, we had some news about Gallifrey One with some of the guests who are going to be at, uh, be there next year. Oh, um, boy. You know, for those of you listening, Gallifrey One being kind of the, the biggest convention in the North, in North America area, uh, definitely the longest running, I believe. Maybe up there with Chicago TARDIS. I'm not sure exactly which started first. But, um, yeah, they just announced uh, several guests like Paul McGann is going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. William Russell, who is Ian from the original series, who does not do many conventions. Peter Purvis, uh, Louise Jameson, who is Leela. Katie Manning, who everybody loves Katie Manning. Yes. Um, it, was, it was a lot of older series guests. And the funny thing for me was... I'm reading this and I'm kind of like, okay, I've seen many of these people. Oh, that's cool. Whatever. Then I get to the second paragraph and it says Lala Ward is going to be there who played with the second Romana and my head exploded. Uh, I was just, I couldn't even get my, I couldn't even grasp that she was actually going to be at a convention in the future. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really big news. At, I said a, pretty, seven- at a pretty small convention that you're yeah. going to be going to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's super cool because yeah. as much as I just said the seventh doctor is my doctor, I probably could have said the second Romana is my doctor uh, because those <laughs> were the first episodes I really remember buckling down and watching. So, so for both of you, I like, kind of is there any Gallifrey stuff that's been announced so far you're excited about? Lauren, you want to go ahead? Um, well, Palm again. Yes. I mean, any <laughs> any panel he's involved with, any interviews he's going to do, I will be there he... listening to him talk. Yes. He is amazing. He really is. And I'm I'm going to print out several different speeches I want him to read from other doctors because that's oh, what people do, I guess. That's what no, people do, right? The speeches. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of kidding do. about that. No. <laughs> that does me, seem to kind of seem to be like the trend, though. Like, people keep giving him, like, other doctors' speeches to have him just, like, do cold reads. Yeah. Dance monkey. Yeah, that's it's kind of been this whole like perform for us, perform, you know, and, and the funny thing is they all do a good job. But McGann, he just goes in and cold reads. Like from what I understand, when he does big finish audios, he might skim the script and then show up and just go. Um, the oh, director wow. will tell him what to do and he just kind of runs with it. Um, so that's what I laugh is, you know, they hand him these these elaborate speeches full of drama and he just goes with it. So, yeah, if you don't give the same a script, somebody else will. 
Yes. So so just uh, make it a good one. All right, I will. <laughs> Challenge, Challenge accept. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> good deal. And then, of course, the other big stuff coming out right now is we know that Series 10 is underway. Yes, somewhere it right sure now. Is. Well, yeah. probably not right now, but... Yeah. Now for, Soon. For, Soon, yeah. though, because they're like eight hours ahead? Is yeah. That right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so uh, now for both of you, do you like do the spoiler thing or do you kind of just try to avoid as much as possible? <laughs> I don't really, I mean, I want to know as much as I could possibly know as soon as I can know it. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like if there were behind the scenes pictures or like theories and like speculation, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to want to know about it. So. Oh, gosh. I See, I try to keep myself to only speculation after it's come out and then non-spoilery stuff. So mm. I, I'm, well, I'm at the other end of the equation. Well, I don't like spoilers when, like, let's say it's aired in the UK and people are, like, posting huge episode spoilers, like, day of. That really gets my goat. But as far as, like, since we're in, like, production right now, like, I'm, I will get take it whatever I can get. But, like, when it's actually, if it's actually up, I hate spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had to unfollow the BBC's official Doctor Who account because during the 50th anniversary day, I didn't get to watch it till the next day. And all of a sudden, they're just saying, welcome back, Tom Baker. You're welcome back to Doctor Who. And it's oh, like, what? Oh. Yeah. And I mean, oh, that's such yeah. like a last second reveal, too. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, I was so wrapped up in the episode the next day, I'd sort of forgotten. Oh, um, okay. I, you know, I just thought maybe it was like, oh, he's in those little clips. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it still surprised me. And like, I was I was weeping. But, oh, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but, but even so, it was just that whole like it was like unfollow. I'm done with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we live in a spoilery age. So, um, you know, we've seen a little clip of Bill. She looks like she's going to be really excited. Yes. Uh, she has yeah. some pretty cool shoes. Working so. on that cosplay. <laughs> Excellent. I just I just got my patches for the jacket. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that is going to be very exciting to yeah. see how that shapes up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, just some of the features we're going to be doing on this show. Um, we're going to have a feature, Everything Changes, where we talk about Torchwood. We're going to be going one episode at a time through the series, most likely. I mean, we might double up every once in a while, but just kind of looking at that and taking a look back or, or first look for some of us and just giving you our thoughts on it. We're going to be doing a costume showdown. We're going to be going with 16 different doctor costumes and trying to say over the next maybe six to eight months, we're going to whittle it down and have some one-on-one showdowns. We'll have a bracket up for you so you can take a look and see who's all going to be involved when. But we're just going to talk about the different doctor costumes and try to figure out which doctor had the absolute best costume. And uh, another feature we're going to be doing is called Finish at the Finish. We'll be talking about Big Finish. This month, we're going to be talking about Technophobia by Matt Fitton. And it's the first in the line of the 10th Doctor stories. So with that, let's get over to Everything Changes. The 21st century is when it all changes. So what is torture anyway? Some kind of British intervention agency. We're separate from the government, outside the police, beyond the United Nations. You catch aliens for a living. You're an alien catcher. Caught any good aliens? Tons of them. That's a hell of a job. So welcome to Everything Changes, our uh, Torchwood review. And I didn't realize when I came up with the name for this segment that it's also the name of the first episode. So uh, the first episode of Torchwood is called Everything Changes. And with this first episode, we're probably going to be discussing a little bit about ourselves as well as the episodes, just to give you the context of where we're coming from as fans. Uh, For myself, I was watching Torchwood as soon as the episodes were available to the U.S., But I never really fell in love with it the same way I love Doctor Who. I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun. But again, it just wasn't something I was really passionate about. It seemed like some episodes would be some of the most amazing sci-fi television I'd ever seen. And some of it would be pretty lousy. A lot of it I've never gone back and rewatched. So it's going to be interesting to go back now and take a look at it and see. John, I know you've watched a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Have you watched Torchwood as of yet? Yeah, I. this will be my second time watching it. The first time through, I feel like it was completely available on Netflix. And I don't even think the stars, uh, I guess it's a reboot or continuation or whatever you want to call it, hadn't started yet. But I have indeed watched Torchwood once through, and let me tell you, it seems like I erased a lot of it from my brain. Oh, that good, huh? Yeah. They uh, they used whatever they used on Gwen on you, apparently. Uh... I used to call this show Captain Jack and the people that make horrible decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that Stars season. It went on and off of Netflix so quickly. It took me about two years to finally get to watch all of it. Um, 
but I assume we'll be getting that way down the way. Yes. Um, and, and Lauren, have you watched any Torchwood in the past? I have not. This will be my very first viewing. Mm. I'm excited about it. Spoilers. Uh, people make really bad choices. Yeah. No, I'm sensing that from, <laughs> from what Mr. John said. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, like, a lot of the plot of Torchwood has been explained to me, like, as far as, like, some, some of the seasons have been spoiled for me before I even got into Doctor Who. Right. So I have a like vague awareness of it, uh, and I'm actually I'm on the Wikipedia page, and I'm looking at the writers for this first season, and I'm seeing a lot of names I recognize. Yeah, there's definitely um, that's one thing about the RTD era of Doctor Who is that he really had his fingers in a lot of different pies at the time, as far as this Sarah Jane Adventures, and then the main Doctor Who show, and there was a lot of overlap. It seems like between the talent, and it's going to be interesting to see because Chris Chibnall was one of the showrunners for Torchwood, and now yeah. of course he's going to be running starting with Doctor or Doctor Who season eleven. He'll be taking over there so so lauren why don't, why don't you give us some ideas as far as what did you think about the episode uh i thought it it very much felt like the 2005 season of doctor who uh and this is only a year later right 2006 i think uh 2006 2007 yeah it was uh i think it was maybe right after the second season if i'm remembering correctly or or sometime within the second season uh, because yeah. i think we kind of like our first time we really got torchwood name dropped was uh tooth and claw with the werewolves yeah and then uh you know we we also kind of had the thing with harriet jones blowing up the sycorax ship um so there was a lot of implications that there was stuff out there in fact, mm-hmm. uh, because, yeah, we saw Torchwood at the end of uh, season two with Canary Wharf and the battle with the Daleks. <laughs> and then uh, and so it was after that. Yes. Yeah, you know, so and of course, that was a much larger scale Torchwood. That was more of a unit type scientific organization. And this is much more um, like Angels, really, what it seems like to me when I watch it now. The first season has a lot of these quick city cuts. Um, you know, you just see these flash forwards of the city at night or the city at daytime. Um, and you even get like Captain Jack standing on the top of Torchwood. Tower. Oh my God, that I... was the most ridiculous shot. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's... that happened. I'm like, what the hell is this? What is going? This is so overdramatic in the music. Like, I love the music, but it was way. It's such a ridiculous shot. I'm so sorry. I no, I laughed very <laughs> loudly, too. and then thought, man, they must have had somebody left the helicopter on set someday and they're like we could put a camera on this right yeah Yeah, this is this is like free for us to use right yeah yeah it's it's one of those things that it's 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 a cool iconic shot but at the same time it's just like man what are you doing up there yes yeah like are you just like taking some you time like i don't understand (laughs) yeah so uh it's interesting like i just i was a big angel fan uh back when that show was on and even still so just a lot of you know you've got your hero with the trench coat and kind of his his followers and stuff like that and just some of the way it's shot really evoked that to me um although really i guess aside from the monster of the week format it's really not that similar but i we won't go too deep as far as plot details and things like that but it's interesting because gwen is really the outsider coming into torchwood yeah um you know she's the audience identification character it was really admirable the way she would, she just kept bulldogging it. She wouldn't let it drop. Even when they wiped her memory, she still kept at it. <laughs> yeah, she she remembered. She kept chipping away at it. You know, funny you mentioned that, not funny, but I like that you mentioned that she's our, our window into this world that she doesn't know much, very much about. And it felt very reminiscent of Rose Tyler in yeah, Rose. Definitely. Because she was kind of our, she was our in to the world of the Doctor. Yeah, so, that's a great I mean, point. Because... And that's Russell T. Davies, so that makes sense that it's, that's kind of his, <laughs> his way to start. Yeah, she she's much more of an adult Rose figure, I would say. You know, because she's much more settled down in a career. She has a, I think he's just a boyfriend at this point. I don't think he's, yeah. But um, it, yeah, it's, so she is, she's an adult figure, but at the same time, she has those same characteristics of Rose that she's going to find out what's going on. And that even though these crazy, unexplainable things are happening, um, she does accept them to some degree, or at least is willing to take them at face value. And she doesn't seem scared of them. Yeah, I mean, when Captain Jack says, I can't die, her reply is, okay. That's just like, (laughs) she's not shocked at all. She's like, right, yeah, sure, cool. She's seen some interesting stuff, certainly, over the last few days. Yes. John, what what were your kind of thoughts looking back on it now? There's a lot of swearing in this show. I (laughs) did not remember that. Yeah. It's 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 definitely um I, I think with this first episode especially there was some attempts to really feel edgy. Yeah. 
to, to really say, like, this isn't your father's Doctor Who. Although I don't know why anybody who isn't a father would be watching this because kids don't watch this show. It's bad. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you know, it's it's that's the whole thing is it was very much like, look how sexy we are. Look at how uh, how kind of out there we can be with the swearing and stuff like that. And it doesn't bother me. It was just something that was very different from what we were kind of used to um, with the two years of RTD Doctor Who. And I, I forget or I forgot how much... Our, our introduction to Owen is just like, just leaves a bad taste in my mouth with him going to the bar and being like, hey, basically like drugging oh, a girl. Oh, yeah, literally like, oh, a girl and a guy. Oh, well, yeah, but yes, both of them. Yeah, I just, uh, I was like, uh, okay. I've, yeah. I kind of forgot about that. Text. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, but at, at, and then I went, oh, yes, that's why I don't like this man. <laughs> it's my my note for that actually just said this is where it gets complicated uh, <laughs> yes because, because oh. like we've said is the characters do make a lot of poor choices and we kind of see that play out throughout the the series as well as just within this one episode but that one was just really like at the time it felt skeevy but with it, how it much felt skeevy because it was you know i don't want to say the r word but yeah no, i mean i was just gonna say because as much as rape culture has kind of become more of a publicly aware thing i mean not to say which it is wasn't, good yeah Oh, absolutely. I yeah. Mean, so, I mean, that's what's even more kind of, uh, it's just gross going back and watching it now is it just stands out that much more that if you tried to do that on a series today. No like, way. No um, way. Yeah, it would not No fly. way. Nope. And, and I think it was meant, like, if you watch it, I think that the intention was, oh, well, this is just kind of cutesy because, look, he's bringing the guy along as well. Um, yeah, that, yeah, like that, that makes it that makes it okay. Yeah, that, that doesn't make it any better whatsoever. Um, yeah, so that's kind of um. I think there's going to be a few episodes of Torchwood where we're going to get some really big red flags. That yes, are just like uh, yeah. Oh, there um, will be many a red flag, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're going to earn our title of "This is where it gets complicated." Yes. Uh, you know, it'd almost be a drinking game. It's just how many times do we drink and say that throughout the episode? <laughs> oh, we can make it a drinking game. We can. So, I could so, uh, <laughs> go upstairs, get something to drink. I'll be right. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I've got some cheap Chardonnay oh. just up the stairs. <laughs> I don't drink, so it's going to be a real problem for me. Oh, but, boy. Uh, well, talking about Owen, of course, you know, like we've said, is he just comes across as instantly skeevy. Um, but what about some of the other characters? Which ones stood out to you or did you kind of appreciate throughout the episode? Uh, without giving too much away, it's... it's um... I can't really, I can't really say anybody else because I'm. I mean, I am familiar with. Um, I love Gwen's boyfriend. I I adore him a lot. Um, we'll see him more in the future. Other than that, I mean, Captain Jack's always great. So yeah, uh, of course. Lauren, were there any characters that kind of like really stood out to you or that you appreciated in this one? <laughs> the weird looking alien that bit a dude's neck. Oh, the weevils. No weevil. You are, are going to get so many weevils. You aren't even going to know what to do. And that's not really? even a spoiler. I mean, they're just kind of. Um, they're around. Like, they're just. Yeah. Pounding around. Just, yeah. Sometimes it'll just be background. Uh, perhaps they'll have a story or two that actually are about them. Yeah. If you enjoy weevils, you're going to get a lot. Okay. Yeah. They're gonna... really weird looking little <laughs> dudes. Yeah. They're, they're genuinely scary. I mean, and you are going to get more weevil than Veronica Mars. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that was sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what's funny for me is my favorite member of the Torchwood team was Susie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like, yeah. When I was watching the episode, I'm like, she's so cool. Um, and throughout the episode, and then of course, you get to the dramatic finale when you find out that Susie is addicted to using that power glove, yeah, and uh, or resurrection gauntlet or whatever you choose to call it. And I uh, like that resurrection gauntlet. Yeah, it sounds a lot better than power glove. It um, does. It does. Yeah. So it was very sad to me, of course, when it turns out she's kind of a traitorous character and, and she basically does kill Jack. I mean, she shoots him in the head. Yes. And what's interesting is now we know that Captain Jack is uh, eternal. But at the time that the series came out, that wasn't really known yet. We knew he came back to life. Uh, but that was a really shocking moment. when All oh, of a sudden, yeah. he just stands back up and the hole in his head heals. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things that unfortunately sometimes when we look back on things uh you know we're just so familiar with it at that point we already know uh but that was a great moment um and it's still i think is really strong um, i really enjoyed it but but man did they have to kill Susie? um that's that's just <laughs> well sad. well i mean really she killed herself true uh fair enough you're right she did what are spoilers did we say no spoilers or sorry <laughs> 
I, eh. I think we're kind of assuming at this point that you know it's there will be some discussion things like that um yeah <laughs> we'll put in the show notes that we review this episode and it has spoilers yeah so as, okay. as mike just throws it all out there so. <laughs> um you know another thing that was kind of interesting is ianto at this point uh you know I, he really wasn't a team member he was more oh. of just their kind of their uh their secretary yes uh but it's interesting because the character came across very minimal in this mm-hmm. as opposed to how he expands later yes he's another one of my favorites i really enjoy him a lot yeah um and then um let's see um Susie's speech at that at the ending when she's just talking about all these crazy things in the world i, I thought that was really great world building yes i love that it was yeah i mean because that was something that just really set up what we're in for mm-hmm. yeah i really i really like that she was she was talking about how like like is this what we get stuck with like mm. all like the shit aliens yes are like on earth <laughs> and she's like talking about i mean i don't know if she she must know who the doctor is right she just must know right i would assume so yeah I, well i, I don't know i feel I, like she's she's like talking about how she's like how she thinks that there's more out there and that maybe she deserves like maybe earth earthlings deserve more. Um, and while, like, while she's complaining about the shit aliens, yeah. like why do we get the crappy ones? <laughs> I really like that. Speech. You know, and it's interesting because this show really is the dark underside of doctor who. Yes. It's, you know, so often we see the doctor gets to fly away and doesn't really have to deal with consequences and things like that. And a lot of what we see from Torchwood, um, just from my memory. And again, this isn't really spoilery, but a lot of it is cleaning up what's left. Yes, um, maybe maybe not directly, but at least what's out there, just the crazy things that kind of having to to maintain Earth. Um, so, so, yeah, they don't quite get the sense of adventure, I would say, that the doctor does. Mm-hmm. But know. they do get a pterodactyl. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do but have, does that I love get addressed? It. No. Really? I, like. I, I don't know. Like, when did pri- Primeval start? Because uh, maybe I was just like a shot at Primeval. I don't know. I have um, no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does not get addressed, and honestly, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'd be fine with it, aside from the fact that, uh, because wasn't it our last, we get the Captain Jack oh, yeah. shot, and then we get the pterodactyl. It's just outside. <laughs> Why would they let the pterodactyl outside? How is that okay? And how are people not talking about that? I'm pretty sure that's never brought up that it's just flying around outside. We got a whole John Pertwee episode about dinosaurs. Uh, it, it trust me it would be a big deal yeah or maybe after the daleks show up like people just are like ah pterodactyl's the least of our concerns <laughs> big old yeah. thunderbird who cares yeah. so um there were there were a few things that were really fun with this um you know we got a bar fight with the pipettes playing which is like a really obscure <laughs> british group so that was kind of cool and probably like the last one the last thing i'll have to call out and uh somebody had a badge ribbon at galley one year with this but who the hell orders a pizza under the name torchwood <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that was great. I really like that. I oh the scene when the, when she walks in and they're just all ignoring her was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah I I would agree. That's great writing, great direction, and great performances. Yes, because I think the way it's staged as well as as the viewer, you're kind of wondering like, what the hell? Why are they just leaving her alone? <laughs> you yeah, know, it's... just letting her walk in. Oh, we do see um Tenet's hand. At one point, we do. You're right. That's that's key. Yeah. So uh, he's that, held on to that. Yeah, that, that was pretty obscure at the time. Sort of just uh, not. Of course, everybody would know what it was for the most part, but still, it was just sort of that wonder of what is going on with that. Why? Why is it in the bubbling uh, tube? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, the big question is, of course, what are they trying to do with it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, any last thoughts on the Torchwood episode we watched? I'm um, <clears throat> I'm ready to keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it for I'm the long haul. Re- yeah, ready to go. Watch all of it. Very cool. I, I'm trying to pace myself and just go one episode at a time so I don't get too far ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, it, it was I, when I finished that first episode, I really did want to go to the next one. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> and the next one's going to be interesting because uh, we get some more of that uh, edginess involved. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, edginess. The quick pre- yeah, the quick preview, uh, it, they're going to be trying to push the envelope again on that one. So it should be a lot of fun. So. Yeah, yep. yeah I, I was told like years ago uh, that Torchwood is like, it's similar to Doctor Who, but it's way darker. Yes. And I'm like, I, I'm already getting the darkness. So <laughs> yeah. bring it on. Yeah, but hopefully there'll be a lot of comedy along the way intentional or otherwise (laughs) oh no uh this show has one of my favorite i cannot wait till we get to 
this scene. It has one of my absolute favorite unintentionally funny scenes in a show ever. And yes, I'll just leave it at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll stick around so we can find out what John's favorite unintentionally <laughs> funny scene is. Uh, we'll have that for you perhaps next month, perhaps in a year. We don't know, but uh, we, will, we will find out. I actually look forward to it. So thank you so much for being here with us for the Everything Changes segment. And now we're going to cut over to another one of the segments for our show. Thank you. Oops, I'm wearing sand shoes. Oh, so you're my replacements, the dandy and the clown. It's what's on the inside that matters. The biggest crime against fashion since Lederhosen. What you want is something warm and sensible, something that would wear well, something with a bit of style, and, and was style, you know. Okay, here we are with the costume showdown. As if my podcast wasn't enough already, we've got another game going here now on. <laughs> this is where it gets complicated. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the Doctor Who costume showdown. And as I look at my thing here, I see it's actually Doctor is misspelled somehow. So that's fantastic. Well done. Wow. Uh, Doctor. I didn't even notice that until you said something. Um, Yeah, this is why you don't type things out on a new tablet, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So anyhow, uh, what we're going to be doing this week is we're going to be looking at four different matchups. And uh, we'll have the bracket posted on our website. Maybe I'll actually like fix that before we put it up, but um, or maybe not. Um, But what you're going to see is we have different matchups of one doctor versus another. And we're going to be talking about the costumes between the three of us. We're going to vote and we're going to move people on to our quarterfinals. And by the time this segment is done uh, in a few months, we'll be looking at who is the very best costume for Doctor Who or which doctor had the best costume. Um, So this is pretty exciting for me. I mean, um, I I know I've done some cosplay stuff. Lauren has as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I just look at things. I look at them. Not done yet, but it's going to happen. It'll probably Uh, happen. I was actually very excited to put together a fourth Doctor cosplay for this upcoming galley. And then when I saw Lala Ward was going to be there, I'm like, maybe I'm not going to do the fourth Doctor this year. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll do something else. Um, Well, speaking of the fourth Doctor, our very first matchup here is going to be the fourth Doctor up against the eighth Doctor from the TV movie. So um, what do you all think? I am really torn on this. I think this is a really good matchup. Um, oh God! I just okay. I love the green. It's, it's like a green velvet it's coat, like right? Like an olive. Are, we're talking about. Uh, are you talking about eight oh, or four? The, yeah, the eighth Doctor. Yeah, he. It's his. It's kind of like his vest and his. I kind of looks like a scarf, ascot. but it's not. Is it an ascot? Yeah, a- ascot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah I love. I just love the look of that the eighth Doctor has in that movie. I just yeah. love it, and that's that's hard to say because obviously the fourth Doctor. Like that scarf is so iconic. Yeah, but I think it's, I think I'm gonna have to go with the with the green ve- green velvet coat, and like it all matches so well. That's what I say. Okay. Oh boy, Boom. I decided. Okay, well, John, uh, how how do you feel on this one? Oh, see, it is it. This is so hard because I mean, you also have the fourth Doctor with the more maroon scarf and the maroon jacket. It is maroon, right? Yeah, it's it's like a dark burgundy or maroon type color. That would be the season eighteen outfit. Yeah, uh, but I'm looking I'm looking at Paul McGann right now, and he's holding up his pocket watch, and his eyes are just telling me you should probably choose me. But it's so hard because well, the and scarf. That's tough because because the words I'm looking at Paul McGann right now. How do you ever vote against that? I'm I, I mean, that's. But at the same time, I mean, the fourth Doctor is really like the iconic Doctor Who costume. I mean, even at work today, somebody was referring to it and they're like the guy with the scarf. Yes. Um, And and the scarf is such an oddity kind of thing. You know, it's just really peculiar. Yeah. Even Um, people who have no idea like what Doctor Who like really is, they recognize that as being Doctor Who. Yeah. So that's where I stand on it right now while you're thinking on it is. Um, I love both costumes. I think they're great. When I see either one, like when somebody's cosplaying it, it's just like, oh, that's so great. Um, You know, the fourth Doctor did have a few different iterations, but they were generally that same sort of theme, which is why I just included him the one time on the list. And, and, you know, he's got the hat and everything. And he's odd enough that he stands out. But at the same time, it's not like he's that outrageous to where you wouldn't believe that somebody might wear this. Um, You'd think he was a very odd sort of English professor, perhaps, but it's possible. The Eighth Doctor costume, I like it a lot. Um, I think it's also another one that just really looks like an iconic Doctor costume. So looking at that, I like both a lot. But where I can tell you I make my decision is the wig. The the Paul McGann TV movie wig is terrible. (laughs) 
um i i know that they were kind of trying to go back to more of that victorian look or the more you know kind of classic english look but the wig they had at the time it just wasn't that great um and i and i know mcgann himself hated it so um i it, it'd be so close to being a toss-up but i'm gonna go with the fourth doctor just because of the wig and of course i'm the tiebreaker yes you are oh boy and now now i'm just looking at tom baker here and it's oh my goodness you guys i i'm probably gonna have to go with four just because i i also love the hat i don't know what it is about the hat it just is very floppy and it just goes with everything that's going on in this crazy outfit and i can't I cannot vote against the scarf. Not uh, yet. It's eight. Eight's in another bracket. The night of the doctor eight. So he's not out. No, he's oh, not out yet. Not out of this. Yeah, you will see that later. And I did wear that cosplay once. So, uh, so maybe he'll make it a little bit further next time around. We'll yeah. we'll see how that goes. We'll be getting to him next month. <laughs> um, so uh, talking about cool hats, um, our next matchup sees the twelfth doctor versus the seventh doctor. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, John, you go first on this one. Okay, so of course you pitted these two together. Well, they're the Scottish <laughs> doctors, and it, and it wasn't me; it was the great randomness. Of oh, the that's universe, right, so. that's right. That's yeah. what we're going with. Yes. Yeah. As, as I'm always referencing bad ribbons, uh, it, it, there was a great one that said, "The best doctors are Scottish and have spoons." <laughs> so. I mean, with McCoy, you have the question mark cane and the hat and the qu- question mark vest, but with Capaldi, it he has a couple of he ha- always has the coat, and the yeah. coat is amazing. Which Capaldi are you like literally looking at? Um, with a few of these, I just included them once uh, because otherwise we would have like a forty-eight seed bracket, and it right. would take us years. Um, because kind of with with seven and twelve, they both have differentiations on their costume. But they generally follow a similar theme. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there is the difference between whether he's going with the classic dress-up shirt or whether he's wearing the hoodie. Uh, but with with the black pants, the same coat, it, it seems to stick pretty similar for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, with, with Capaldi, I, I don't know what it is, but I just love the hoodie with the jacket look. I don't know. Same. I have no idea what it is. Because I don't think he ever uses the hood. I just enjoy that type of combination of torso wear. Let's call it torso wear, guys. Why not? Okay. I don't so, know. So what, what are you trying to imply was. about the seventh doctor's torso wear? No, do not get me wrong. <laughs> I know I'm uh, yeah. treading on. Defensive there, Mike. Yeah, no, no, no. So, um, well, no, it's the seventh doctor has the question mark jumper and it is one of the most uh, controversial or one of the most uh, polarizing things in Doctor Who. Um, The producer, John Nathan Turner, really was strong about he wanted costumes for his doctors because it would make them easier to market. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's it's as I say, the outfit begs the question, is there really a need for that many question marks? Um, (laughs) I I could tell you in the California sun, that pullover is not great. Um, But but for me, there's just something about the demeanor that Sylvester McCoy's doctor carries himself with, with the hat, always tipping the hat to people or kind of playing tricks with it. Um, The question mark umbrella. uh, Gosh, I mean, that's just one of the most iconic things as well, especially since his doctor didn't have a sonic screwdriver. I like the fact that it was implemented in different ways throughout the series. But um, I, I don't know, Lauren, where do you stand on this one? <laughs> okay, wh- oh, while you're mulling that over, I would also Thank like you. to point out that Capaldi at, at some points almost has like two's pants, kind of. Oh, he does have the checkered the, pants. You're the correct. The plaid, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm going to have to go with 12. Like it's, Yeah. Okay. He knows how to accessorize. Sonic sunglasses. Oh, God. See, I hate <laughs> did, the Sonic sunglasses. You, see, now he's going to change his vote now. Thanks, Mike. He's going to change No, it. no, no, no. I will not change my, my vote because of that. But, oh, man, did I hate those Sonics. Oh, man. I hated them so much. I hated them when they were introduced. And then once I saw them in action and under the lake, I'm like, oh, well, I love them. Great. Perfect. So, so what do you think, Lauren? Do you do you have a choice on this one? I mean, I oh, I'm probably very biased, but I'm gonna say okay. twelve. Uh, let's say twelve because so, so, I there are so many. He has got so many great outfits. And I know you said that they're they're like similar, or he has like the the coat is present in like the the dark blue coat with the red lining that's present in a lot of them. Yeah. Um, 
but there, there, there's definitely differentiation and i acknowledge that and um i'm actually gonna vote for 12 as well Oh. So, wow. Um, that, well, no, Seven is my doctor, but I think that the 12th Doctor's costume and the different variations are very strong. And I say this as a man who has walked around all day dressed as the Seventh Doctor. <laughs> I, I love it, and I think it fits his doctor perfectly, but I just don't feel it's organic, whereas the 12th Doctor's costume feels like really like – it just feels organic to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it got to have enough differentiation so far that it kind of feels fresh um, yeah. as opposed to just cream coat to brown coat. This hurts, but it's it's genuine. So mm-hmm. so the twelfth Doctor unanimously defeats the seventh Doctor. So what I really like about the twelfth Doctor's costumes too is that like he can be dressed up like in a suit and like look really good, and then he can be like space hobo from season nine, like with the hoodie and the plaid <laughs> pants, and like he just he he works both looks, and like the red velvet coat is amazing. Oh wait, can I change my answer back? What? Why? <laughs> I I do not like the red velvet coat. You don't like. Really? You don't yeah. like it at all? Really? Yeah. It, it, oh, it, evokes, it evokes Pertwee, and for, for the kids of my generation, the, the, <laughs> the wilderness kids, we just get our backs up, and we're like, no, Pertwee, get out of here. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, anyhow. No, I, I, um, I love that that coat has become, like, so iconic of the 12th Doctor now. Like, you see, I've seen it so much in the comic books now, and, like, yeah. everywhere. See, like, the 12th Doctor, he's in the red velvet. Yeah. And I, I, I love definitely. It. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with what you're saying completely. Sometimes he looks very prim and proper. Other times he does look like a space hobo. And uh, I, I wish I could go to work dressed like that. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, well, let's move over to our next round uh, or next bracket here. And it's going to be the fifth doctor versus the sixth doctor. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, nobody's jumping in on this one. Both have so, um, pins of some sort or something pinned to their jacket yes a, a, uh, a veggie right yes and then a cat pin celery. i'll tell you that one of the men on this podcast wore a stick of celery uh as a corsage thing or whatever they call it, a boutonniere uh <laughs> for his senior prom i will let you at home figure out who that was uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was me know, guys it was yeah. me yeah, and uh, and then you have a cat pin for uh, the sixth Doctor, and then um, that jacket. I mean, both of these guys have pretty slick looking jackets, <laughs> and they and they both have question marks. Yes, they do. Worked into part of their costume as well. Yeah, that was that was something that every version throughout the John Nathan Turner era, even that last that burgundy fourth Doctor costume we talked about, had the question marks on the lapels of the shirt. Um, mm-hmm. So so he always felt a way that just in case you didn't realize you were watching a show called Doctor Who, let <laughs> me give you some visual tips. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting because the fifth Doctor costume has never appealed to me. Um, just kind of having the the beige cricketing costume. He was a much more low key Doctor. And I felt like having a kind of very plain colored costume almost ex- accentuated that even further. And he's he's never one I've cared strongly about either way. So uh, the costume was just one more element that was just like, oh, he's he's a doctor that exists. Um, then you go to the other end of the co- uh, the spectrum and you have the sixth doctor costume. And uh, it is just an abomination. <laughs> it is. Hey. I, I, uh, no, I mean, I, I love the sixth doctor, but at the same time, that costume is just, uh, it's, I just don't see how it can be defended, but I hope somebody can. It's um, a technicolor nightmare. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is absolutely that. But it fits him. Yeah. Well, and, and that was, he actually wanted a costume more like what we saw uh, Christopher Eccleston later wear. Yes, I do remember and, him saying that. And, and they said that that just wasn't a realistic costume for the doctor. So instead, the poor guy got something that, from what I remember, even it was garish. And then John Nathan Turner told the costume designer, it's not garish enough. Go back and do more. Yikes. So, <laughs> Um, what's interesting about that one though is with the six doctor costume is we've seen kind of the extended universe they have the blue version and it's the same exact outfit but it's all different shades of kind of like i guess a royal blue and when you see it that way i mean it definitely still stands out as something that's like i don't see anybody wearing this necessarily but it looks tasteful you know what i have never i've never seen this jacket the blue one and i'm looking at it right now and i he looks pretty good in blue. Yeah. Um, so so it's kind of I, that's a, that's definitely an alternative that was out there. And there's lots of talking around it. But I, I just I, as much as it pains me to do it, I have to vote for the fifth doctor on this one. Oh, boy. I almost feel bad not picking six just because he had to wear that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Well, no, that's a, that's a very fair statement. And, and, you know, one thing I'll say is when I see cosplayers, if I see a fifth doctor cosplayer, it's like, oh, cool. Um, but if I see a sixth doctor cosplayer, like, it's like, good on you, man. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's like man or woman, either way. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I've seen some amazing sixes and I can tell you at a convention, the sixth doctor is really cool to see, meaning somebody in the costume. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Man, so. this is, what a decision this is. I, I think I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with six. I don't know what it is about that jacket. I just, it's a mess, but I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I got to go with six too. That's an awesome upset. Mm-hmm. A lot of people trash that outfit and I'm, and I'm, here's the thing is I voted for five, but I'm perfectly happy to see six move ahead. So uh, okay. let's see. So far we've had the fourth doctor, the 12th doctor and the sixth doctor have gone ahead. So it's a really good time to be an even numbered doctor. And <laughs> now we have one of our really wacky brackets. And I promise that this was, uh, this was randomized, but we have the war doctor uh, of course, from the Day of the Doctor special, facing off against Peter Cushing's Doctor from the two Dalek movies in the 60s. Yes. Um, <laughs> such a very strange pairing this is. As as everyone starts clicking, trying to find the Peter Cushing costume. Yeah, basically. Oh, I already had it ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the War Doctor's costume because it tells us where he's been but it also tells us where he's going to go if that makes any sense at all wow for a not cosplayer that was a very deep thing to say <laughs> thank you you're one welcome of us, one of us <laughs> we'll um, get you yeah, uh, it's, no that's that's a really great point because there's definitely elements of his costume that still echo what we saw for the eighth doctor in the the night of the doctor special the little mini episode yeah um you still kind of have like the cool boots and like the kind of like the same length coat Mm, the satchel uh, it, there's a yeah. satchel right yes yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's it's very steampunk but not overly so it, it's yeah i mean it's just a very cool distinctive costume and it's kind of sad to know that aside from extended media we're probably not going to see it again yeah mm. and except for at conventions a bunch yes which oh, i'm yeah. not planning about <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, I've seen some really great uh, War Doctor cosplayers, and it's it's a heck of a costume to have to put together. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and he has Cass's bandolier, which is such a cool thing too. So, so I don't know if either of you have ever seen the Peter Cushing movies or not. Um, I have not. They're, yeah, they're they're very far from canonical. I mean, it's they're they're pretty <laughs> out there. I mean, he's just a human inventor who kind of like takes his uh, his two, I think it's granddaughters, maybe even daughters, on some like adventure, and some random guy will get wrapped up in it with them. And but the one thing I want to say about his costume is the only other Doctor that had existed at this point was William Hartnell's Doctor, the first Doctor. But when I look at the the costume of the TV or sorry of the of the film Doctor. I see it looks very much like an amalgamation of so much of what we saw before and after um, with his coat, although it's corduroy. I mean, it's it, it echoes Pertwee to a degree. Um, kind of he has the fancy cravat. Yeah, it, the, the waistcoat and everything. And uh, it's it's really just a strong look like it's it's really a cool costume. It's it's much more of like the crazy mad inventor than, say, like the space adventure. Um, but I, I really like as I as I was putting this list together, I looked it up because it'd been a while since I'd seen it. And I was really impressed with that costume. I love the baby blue tie. Is it a tie? Yeah. It is a tie. It's, it's more of a cravat or like a, what did we call it earlier? Uh, yeah. Or An ascot. ascot. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. here's so, one. I have a picture of him where he is wearing the cravat and a scarf, and they are both the same color. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Both Dalek movies, from what I remember, were more against like kind of like barren cityscapes or things like that i think the first one was scarrow and the second one was earth in the future so it's a very cool outfit to see him kind of running around through these destroyed cities or in the rubble or what have you it it stood out and it was strong it's you know again it's not one that's very iconic most fans even diehard fans really haven't gone back and watched those movies at any point i just really love that costume though okay i yeah i i I, I have a feeling i know how it's gonna shape up but it'll just be uh so let's let's throw it out to the votes i mean i said something real deep about the war doctor so i'm gonna (laughs) uh, sure did gonna go with him and i appreciated what you said and i agree with it so i'm gonna go with war as well this is the hardest choice i've had to make all episode uh because i i really love that movie version so much and it's one that i've even thought about like could i put this together but but at the same time the war doctor costume is just one of the best they've ever done 
it, it, it suits really that is character. so good so perfect i mean you look at him and you just say that guy has seen some stuff mm-hmm. yeah you see what he's been through yeah yeah i remember we were earlier we were talking about spoilers and i remember seeing this picture of him on set and i was i was like yes that is awesome <laughs> i am 100 percent on board with whatever's happening yeah agreed so um so with that the war doctor is going to sweep that bracket so we have all together the fourth doctor defeated the eighth doctor we have the 12th doctor defeated seven six defeated five then non-numerically the war doctor just defeated peter cushing's doctor um, so that's that's it for our first round. And just to give you a look at what we have ahead next time, we have the ninth Doctor will be taking on the first Doctor, the third Doctor taking on the tenth Doctor, Rowan Atkinson's Doctor from the comedy comic relief special will be taking on the eleventh Doctor, and then we'll have the Knight of the Doctor version of the eighth Doctor versus the second Doctor. So that'll be ahead next time, and then following that, we'll move on to the quarterfinals. So thank you very much, and on to the next segment. <laughs> Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're wrapping up with our last segment, which is Finish at the Finish. Each month, we're going to be talking about a new Big Finish audio. Uh, might be new, might be one from the past. We're just going to be kind of jumping around and seeing what looks good. This month, we're talking about the first in the new line of 10th Doctor Adventures, which is called Technophobia by Matt Fitton. Just again, like we'll kind of get this out of the way this first episode. In the future, you're not going to have to hear us go on about it. But with with both of you, like how much do you listen to Big Finish or have you listened to Big Finish in the past? I have so far, separate from the story we listened to for this episode, um, I've only listened to one, I guess, season of the Eighth Doctor audios. Okay, that's probably like the first Lucy Miller season? Uh, Yes. Okay. So just one, just one. Okay. And uh, John, have you been delved into the world of Big Finish much as of yet? Let me tell you, every time I go to Gallifrey, that kind lady at the Big Finish table gets me every time um <laughs> i have well we just finished dark eyes so that's that's four right there i've listened to a couple of ones with frobisher in them i have yes i have a bunch that are not opened let's just go with that and i'm making my way through them fair enough um you know i i listened to a few when they'd first come out way back i mean this i guess 15 years ago and it, it just didn't really strike me and it was like 25 episodes or 25 dollars per episode or per you know each story yeah uh, so it was just cost prohibitive prohibitive i was a book guy you know and i could get a book for seven or eight bucks it would last me way longer so i was very resistant up front i was just like eh, it's not not very good and it really was those eighth doctor adventures were the ones that kind of brought me in because i i bought some here and there over the years but i never really paid much mind and when i listened to that first lucy miller season i i realized this is good stuff this is what i want to take a listen to i do a lot of traveling for work and so it really is helpful to have these i can get through you know one of the two hour stories or even a couple of the one hour stories as i travel so you know as, as much as i love things like podcasts and radio and stuff like that if i'm gonna be on a road trip like it's gonna be a big finish road trip at this point although yeah that that booth uh at, at gallifrey one and just, just so you know, they show up at other cons, too. So if you're at a convention in Kansas, like Time Eddie, they'll be there, too. So uh, Wow. Yeah, um, there, there's no escape, and you will spend money. So I, I looked at my Big Finish account. I have 163 Doctor Who audios. Um, and some of that's, oh, Yeah, some of that's peripheral, like, you know, say, like the Gallifrey series or what, whatever. Um, but 163, not counting the 10 to 15 physical copies I have. And the sad thing is I've listened to maybe half of that. So I, I have so much outstanding content to catch up on. Uh, it's and, and kind of it becomes a matter of even where to start. You you kind of have to home in on, you know, which doctors or which characters you're most excited about. They're doing so much now with the new series. And that's kind of exciting because I, I think a lot of people are going to come to Big Finish who maybe would not have done so in the past. And it's interesting for me because um, we, we have these 10th Doctor stories and the 10th Doctor is not one who appeals to me in a big way. But I love Donna Noble. I That was like really the only Tenant season I could really get into because I love the, the repartee between those two characters. Oh, their so, banter is just so phenomenal. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Capaldi would throw them both off the TARDIS within five minutes with all that banter. Uh, <laughs> no banter allowed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I came to these with 
I don't want to say reluctance, but maybe I, I've seen all this massive excitement for this series and I didn't have the excitement. I had maybe a little more skepticism. Let's just throw it out. Uh, what, what did you think about Technophobia by Matt Fitton? I loved it. <laughs> Um, it was it was great. As soon as as soon as I hit play and I heard Donna Noble's voice, I'm like, mm, yay! Uh, and then when the tenth Doctor started talking, I'm like, oh my god! It's like I'm back in the TARDIS with these two, and I, it made me really really happy. I, I love how they both like even after so many years of not being in character, they both just slipped back into it. Yeah, and it's it's like they never left, and I my heart was so happy. Yeah, I was ear to ear grinning f- mm-hmm. through most of this intro, and then I heard the theme song which is one of my that's one of my favorite doctor who themes yeah i i was just very i was i was very very happy i don't know it was yes it was very nice i i enjoyed it a great deal i i think that the the banter the scenario that came up uh and we we probably won't go into like exactly all the details we'll try to keep some spoiler free as far as what happens towards the end of the story yeah um but but you do get this uh this idea of technology gone wrong and it's it's one of those things that um, Doctor Who has always done well, and the RTD era specifically um, was very good about finding things like uh, the Bluetooth earpieces that were turning people into Cybermen and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's taking us how reliant we are on on all of our technology and and turning it into something that's against us or or that we're afraid of. So. Uh, I think it was a really strong premise and listening to it, it felt like this was a real episode of the TV show. I agree. It really did feel like a genuine episode. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm coming off of a four part story and the pacing, cause I, I listened to those, um, I listened to a different big finish before this and the pacing is just like, Oh, we're, we're running. It, it, it was, yes, it was like we were back in the TARDIS with Tenet. We were running, at full speed and it was it was fantastic yeah i think it's definitely a great choice as far as the formatting of these goes um of course you want to get it as close to his series as it as it would be yeah. whereas with some of the classic doctors like five six and seven it makes sense to have um you know they'll break up the 25 segments over four mini episodes <laughs> yes that make up that big story and i love that um, because you get kind of cliffhangers along the way but at the same time, is it can get kind of padded out at times, or or after a certain point, you're like, okay, I just want to move on already. Um, so so keeping it down to one hour for these tenant stories is a great choice because it it did move. I mean, it's here's oh, the yeah. premise, bang, run, and go with it. Mm, I'm so excited to listen to the other ones. Yeah, yeah, I was not aware that the other ones were released at the around the same time, right? All one day. Um, although I'll tell you, there was a, there was a mistake where somehow they had to pull episode three down for a while and put it back up. So, so imagine my fear when I go to my 163 downloads and, and one of them is missing. Oh, geez. Um, Yeah. So I I had to listen to something else and it was, it was completely terrible and ruined my life. Thanks, Big Finish. (laughs) Uh, I I enjoy the vast majority of Big Finish I listen to, but, um, but yeah, so all three were released on the same day and it actually crashed Big Finish's server. Yes, I do remember, I remember reading that. (laughs) Which, which is pretty appropriate for technophobia, I suppose. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, Matt Fitton is really one of the most prolific Big Finish writers at the moment. I mean, he, he's involved with uh, a lot of the eighth doctor stories. He was involved with the later Dark Eyes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he does some of the main range stories. Uh, of course, they chose him to spearhead this one. And I think he did a really good job of capturing the voices of the characters. Um, Had he written for the 10th Doctor before? No, um, I don't think so. I think it's just Big Finish. In, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think all three of the writers, um, I believe the later ones are going to be Jenny Colgan and James Goss or James Ghost. I'm not quite sure exactly how that's pronounced. But um, all, all of them have written for other media, perhaps, but they haven't written for uh, the Tenth Doctor properly, like as far as the TV series goes. Mm-hmm. Without spoiling too much, is the second the second story even builds upon the strengths of this one and is even greater. I, I think that they've done a really good job, whoever it is that's that's editing this line and really putting it together. Because there's these moments like um, the Tenth Doctor just keeps going into techno babble and all these things, mm-hmm. and, and yes. it's. It's great because it's actually important narrative stuff. And then Donna just completely undercuts him. Yes. <laughs> like she does. Yeah. I, Donna's wit in this story is just fantastic. And, and you get like uh, just just one little exchange. Is, uh, there's there's free stuff being given out at the, I guess it's a new tablet or new OS that's being developed. And they're giving out free stuff. And the 10th Doctor just walks up and says, oh, a dongle. I love dongles. <laughs> and, you yes. know, and Donna just don't say dongle. And, <laughs> but it's just one of those silly words that, uh, you know, and we all do like 
tech stuff, IT stuff. So we know what a dongle is, but <laughs> I, I'm just I'm kind of worried for the people out there who don't know what a dongle is now. But, <laughs> but it is. It's just one of those. It's just one of those silly things where the tenth Doctor gets completely distracted by nonsense, and Donna grounds him. <laughs> yes. So, now, what did you both think about the background characters for this story, Lauren? Go ahead. Um, I mean, I thought they were fine. I thought they were fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't nothing, think any of them really, really. No. I mean, I think they they served their purpose. They they did a good job. They helped, you know, helped solve the mystery and save the day. Yeah. I pretty, think pretty standard. I think sometimes when you're listening to an audio, if you you know that there's going to be a doctor and a companion, but then you sometimes forget that they need other characters so it gets kind of confusing at some point where they have like three or four other people in the room with them and you're like wait who are these people Mm -hmm. i can't i can't see them so i'm not really sure who they are i i did enjoy lucas he was ridiculous he was the uh janitor yes he was the guy who he yelled a lot yes and he saw um the bogeyman which i thought was very funny for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's one thing that's kind of fun about Big Finish is when somebody starts yelling, there's that moment of like, whoa, I got to turn it down for yes. a second. Um, yeah. You, you don't want to leave this on at work without headphones. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed him. Um, I, I really like Bex with an X, who is the uh, yes. the character, you know, the other temp that was working with Donna. Um, Temps United. I, yes. Yeah, Temps United. <laughs> that was great. Um, bad driven. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought Bex was great. Uh, what's fun is Nikki Wardley, the actress who plays her, uh, she was actually a, a companion for the Eighth Doctor for a while. Uh, she was Tamsin Drew. Um, and that's the fourth series, I believe, of those Eighth Doctor adventures. She's the one who kind of huh. follows up Lucy Miller. And she also played kind of like a character who wanted to be an actress, but had mostly been temping and stuff like that. Um, and she was in, um, oh gosh, what do they call it? The Five-ish Doctors. Um, she played Stephen Moffat's secretary. Oh, so so apparently, if you need a secretary and Doctor Who, that's the go-to. Gotcha. Um, but but I actually really loved her work on the Eighth Doctor Adventures, and I thought she was good here. I mean, the character was maybe nothing exceptional, but I like that we got to see Donna interact with somebody who was more what she came from, because um, so often with with Donna's adventures, it seems like they were outer space bound or maybe in a different era. So to see her kind of back in modern day times, working with somebody she would have worked with in the real world, was kind of nice. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they were just a little bit in the future. Yeah, you know, uh, there there was still some snarkiness and stuff like that, but it wasn't like the the really kind of mean spirited Donna that we got, you know, when she originally had shown up. So it was kind of oh, fun. Well, when you say originally, you mean in Runaway Bride? Runaway Bride, yeah, sure. Oh, like geez, way that... back at the start, you know, the the yeah. person who it's like you're terrible, go away, I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, but, they, I mean, she was su- such a flat character. They were like, well, we like, uh, we like you. We want to bring you back. Let's, uh, uh yeah. let's go ahead and like make you a little well, a little more well-rounded and turn your volume down just a little bit. Yeah. Let's, let's basically overhaul everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I, and I think Donna is, you know, Catherine Tate is definitely the, the strength here. I, I like that in a lot of ways she kind of carried the plot more than the doctor did. So mm-hmm. that was kind of nice. And without giving too much away, I think one of the really neat things is, a lot of the time when we get um, mystery things involved in a story that's kind of incapacitating characters, be it a virus or a mind control thing like that, whatever, it's usually the doctor is the one who's carrying on and the companions are susceptible to it. They inverted that in this story. So we see that the doctor is kind of the one losing control first and Donna's really having to kind of carry the story a little bit there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so. was that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, one other character I thought was neat was I, I liked Frank, who is the train driver. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, uh, psychic paper does not work on Frank. Yeah. I just, I, that's always fun because it's like, it was, I was almost trying to question, are they saying he's dim or are they just saying that he just is kind of just so matter of fact about everything? It just doesn't matter. Mm, I love how the doctor is like, oh, it's, uh, it's supposed to say that. And he just like rattles off <laughs> like yes. exactly what he intended for it. For the psychic paper, paper actually say? It, well, that's a great trick too, because a lot of the time we would be able to see it on television, whereas with audio, they kind of have to find little ways to to get that information out to us. So yeah. And uh, what did you all think about the cognoscenti, who are the the monsters of the story, or the aliens, the the adversaries? Well, they had um, Egret's uh, catchphrase down pretty well. Oh uh, man, that went over everyone's head. That's a Game of Thrones I- reference. Oh, I sorry. do not watch Game of Thrones. Oh no! Is, is that the character who says Hodor? No. <laughs> Hodor only says Hodor. Okay. Oh, now I'm sad. Oh, 
Well, we'll, we'll get caught up one day, and and I, I think I've watched maybe like one and a half seasons. So <laughs> no, I've I thought they were very interesting. I enjoyed how they sounded, and I enjoyed their master plan. Yeah, it, it was a, a very clever master plan for certain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I really like how the doctor was even like appreciative of the plan. <laughs> yes. He was like, he's like, well, I mean, like he really appreciated it. He's like, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> but good job, guys. Gold star for you. It's it's kind of fun with the audios because I think that they have a little more freedom to be able to create alien races without the con- the confines of having to budget the aliens. Oh, so, right, to actually make them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with these, we just got some characters who apparently had really big craniums. Uh, but it's kind of fun because it ups the imagination factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, one other thing I'll kind of bring bring forth is, John, you mentioned the theme song earlier. And of course, it's the classic David Tennant Doctor Who theme. But but the the incidental music through the background of this story oh. also just felt perfectly Capaldi. Yes. Or not Capaldi. Oh, my God. Perfectly Tennant. <laughs> wow. It did not feel Capaldi. It was not stringy. Yes. It was, uh, it was bombastic. It was it was great. I, I, this is near, I've listened to a decent amount and this was just, it just felt 100% like the doctor and the companion story that they were trying to tell from that era. It just felt like you guys said, this could have been an episode. Yeah. It's that music just kept things moving, kept that pace up. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, the production quality and the music's always pretty good on big finish. Um, it tends to match the era it came from. And this one, they just nailed it Uh, because I think really, you know, in a lot of ways, I think this is a really high stakes moment for big finish Yeah, because this is their biggest get so far. Like (laughs) Mm. up until now, it was kind of like, oh, we have Paul McGann. Okay, well, that's really cool for people who are fans of the series. It's kind of like they might have gotten some people in with like, oh, we have Strax or we have, uh, you know, Osgood and, and Kate Stewart. But but this one is actually something you can hand to people who are fans of the new series and say, like, you need to hear this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and I yeah. think that they I think they nailed it. I, I don't think it's a perfect story or I, I don't know that I would say it's great, but I'd say it's really good. I, I think it's you know, it's it's one that, uh, you know, it's not one where I would like uh, necessarily be like, oh, I'm in the mood for Doctor Who. I'm going to definitely pick that one say like, you know, a blink or something like that. But yeah, but at the same time, I think it's one that definitely when it cut, like if it, if it comes up, it's enjoyable and it's worth going back to. So any, any more thoughts on technophobia? No, I've got nothing else. Nope. I'm it just getting me more excited to listen to the other one. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll, we'll decide in the meantime, what we're going to talk about next month. Uh, maybe it'll be another David Tennant. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be something else. Well, thank you all for being with us this month. We'll be back next month uh, with another episode of This Is Where It Gets Complicated. It's been great having you along, and I'm just happy to be talking about Doctor Who with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Happy to be here and to be talking and to be doing this again. Yeah. So thank you very much. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. joke about someone beating out a samba <laughs> yeah this isn't good <laughs> so so we can... <laughs> this is the podcast do you think people would listen to this <laughs> i mean probably i would <laughs> Of the living feet.